Hello, listeners, and welcome. Rochelle here with another episode of Unabashed You, where women talk about stuff. And to the men listening, we thank you truly for your encouragement. We are in a tough place right now. Let's make no mistake about that. Between COVID, to vax or not, to mask or not, the unparalleled political divide, racial injustices, lots to be done there, and more, we are at a crossroads. How will we move forward? Can we do better? Is it more important to be in relationship or to be right? I explore some of this with our guest host, Lisi. That's right, we change seats. And as you will hear, Lisi has a quick-witted intelligence, displays depth, a keen curiosity, and genuine warmth. It's hard to articulate the impact this episode had on me. See if you can tell what I mean. Hello, unabashed you listeners and community. I'm sure you can already tell by the sound of my voice that this is not your dear Rochelle. My name is Lisi or Annalise, and you all met me on last week's podcast. I have the privilege today of switching seats with Rochelle, and we're going to put her on the hot seat today. She's going to answer some similar questions, and we're also going to ask some different ones as well, just for you all to get a little bit of a different perspective on who Rochelle is and what this work means to her. It's funny how this came about. I suggested to Rochelle that she be interviewed on her podcast And within minutes, I was suddenly the interviewer. (laughs) I think that's how our relationship works. (laughs) We like to move things along. So without further ado, here is our precious, precious host and guest today, Rochelle. Oh, what a wonderful introduction, Lisey. Thank you so much. And you're right. You know, it's like, be careful what you wish for, or be careful what you ask for, because you get into being part of uh, solving the problem or the challenge. Yeah, that is exactly how it went. Within a matter of minutes, we, we we were doing two podcasts together, and I am delighted by it. This is really sweet to be with you in this space. Yes. So we're going to start off with some some normal questions that you ask and some different ones. Okay, sounds good. Instead of an introduction today, I'd love to know, and I bet your listeners would be curious, how have you changed since starting this podcast? What about Rochelle is different? I think what is different about me is I, I feel so much more, and I would have considered myself a pretty open person before, but I feel like my openness has even deepened because I I want to hear what other people have to say. I have a curiosity. I have an interest. And also, I I think that I'm I'm changed because... There is not one woman so far, and I don't think it will ever happen, where I haven't been completely moved and inspired and blown away or, you know, there's all kinds of ways to describe the the insight, the wisdom, the inspiration that we all have and being able to tap into that on a weekly basis and hear from people. I mean, you... you 
almost every episode you listen to, I, I moan and groan and say, I love that. I love that. I love that. I mean, I need to come up with some some new <laughs> some new sounds, some new phrases. But I, I it's like that's my default because you know, when you hear people being very insightful and intentional in their thought process, it's um gosh, it's just it's it's it has, yeah, it, it's deep in me, for sure. It's deep in you. What three words describe you? <laughs> Committed. Mm. Committed, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then along with that, uh, loyal. I think I'm a very loyal individual. And then challenging challenging and that's interesting because my three words a while back were completely different but that's one of the things i love about this exercise is that depending on when you ask it and the frame of mind and the current place the person is in they're going to answer it differently than they did another time and so i I say great you don't have to, you know, that's not like the three words get branded or tattooed on you and you can never change them. Those words, three words are completely different from before. But they're the ones that just came to me. And isn't that funny that I really didn't even think that you might ask me that. <laughs> I just was like, I'm just going to be open and whatever she asks, I'll just be ready to answer. So what do you, what did that tell you that those three words are different right now? Well, what it tells me is that we're many faceted, multifaceted individuals and that I think all of that is good and I think all of that belongs. And I think it also speaks to different seasons or different phases you go through. Like challenging right now for me really speaks about um kind of the pushback that's happening in our country and recently discovering and I'm going to be enneagramish right now but finding out that I'm equal parts 1 and 8 I already knew about the 1 but the 8 is the challenger mm-hmm. and so you know reading about that and realizing oh my gosh that is me and I hadn't really recognized that as such before but then looking back and seeing different examples Mm. Um, so that's why I think, that's why I think this exercise is so wonderful. And even on a, you know, a personal, I mean, it's not like you have to wait to be on a podcast to ask yourself these three questions, you know, Mm. and I know a lot of people choose a word for the year. and, And I think that's great. This, this to me, uh, just really helps you identify for yourself how you see yourself right now. Yeah, brings that clarity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a good word. Challenging. I really like that. I don't know if that would have been in my top three to describe you. And now I'm thinking about uh, <laughs> uh, being on the other side of the world together and just thinking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love that. And yes, it fits too, <laughs> as you committed and loyal, you know, and I think that's such a beautiful balance of all of that, that you bring this commitment, this loyalty to relationships. And I will speak for myself. I think there's also an invitation you bring to, to relationships that you see 
what we can become or yes. what there is more for others too. Yes. Yes. Really I agree. I totally agree with that. I, I love that because it's so hopeful yeah. and, and, I, and I love that word and that reality because it's more than just wishing. It's way more than that. Mm -hmm. So a fictional female character that inspires you today. <laughs> That is an excellent question. I would have to say Mary Richards from the Mary Tyler Moore show. She's kind of she's kind of my go-to. And as I thought about it, I thought, is there somebody different now that I would? I think she comes to mind because of the time in which her show was on, the 70s. We we hadn't seen anybody quite like that before. She was herself. She was she was not afraid to be herself, and yet she was fully feminine and loved being a woman and uh, was career minded. Uh, happy to have love if it came her way, but if it didn't, that was okay too. Not really, you know. Uh, that's not really what she wished for, but she went about. She went on with her life. So she would definitely be one for sure. Mm. I want to change this next question just a little bit. How are you developing and protecting your sense of worth in your day-to-day -day right now? What are day-to-day -day practices or a practice that develops and protects your sense of worth in this world? Well, as a woman of faith, it would have to be remembering whose I am and that that then informs everything about my day. So waking up and remembering that I am loved mm -hmm. unconditionally, that, that uh, I'm forgiven, and, and I don't wallow in mistakes or sin, which is a word I hate, and I have written about that on a former blog, I don't wallow in that at all. I, I embrace the positive side of my faith, which is I am, yeah, I am loved. I am mm -hmm. loved. And it is my deepest desire to make Jesus or Yeshua, as I like to call him, beautiful. That And, and that informs every day, every day part of my day as best as I humanly can. Cause let's face it, you know, we all fall short, but that the, to me, that just says everything. Mm -hmm. I, I want to be loving and kind and thoughtful and selfless and have a servant's heart, but then also love myself because mm -hmm. that's part of it. You know, I think a lot of times we forget that part, but that's a very important part. And it's like the, the, very overused analogy of the flight attendant saying you have to, you know, do your your oxygen mask first before you can help others. And I think that's true. How can you feel for somebody else what you don't feel for yourself? You can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we can probably all relate to times where loving someone else actually felt more accessible than loving ourselves. Yes. And I'm curious for you, if, if you've experienced that, how do you, how do you try and shift? 
How do you try to be able to provide yourself with that kind of love when it feels hard to do so? Well, I think sometimes uh, your self-care has to take a back seat to uh, some other things that are happening right in front of you with people that you love that maybe are in crisis or need your time and attention. And so you willingly put yourself in the back seat. But you don't stay there hmm. for a very long, 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 long time. You know, hmm. I mean, thinking back to different points in my life, different, uh, very difficult times, I did sort of have to put some of that self-care and self-love in the backseat. But I, I knew it was temporary and that part of that was that this other needed my time and attention and that it would not be it would be for a time it would not be ongoing because then it becomes unhealthy and it's not good for you and it's not good for that person either because then i think you're developing a, a dependence that isn't um mm -hmm. that isn't healthy mm -hmm. I, what i really love about what you're almost teasing out here is when is a certain level of consciousness and being at choice decisions that there may be a time in your life where, you know, I can think back to times of caregiving or think back to different, you know, circumstances where there was a very conscious choice that to meet that, that there's a calling to meet that need at that time. But there is something interesting. I think about this, this concept that you're bringing in, like there is a time, it is a season. This is not necessarily just a perpetual way of being in the world, you know, and that there needs to be, there needs to be an end to that right. as well. And loving yourself is loving others. If you truly do love yourself and not a narcissistic, prideful way, you will naturally want to love others. That's, that's a natural extension of the love that we have. Yeah. Yeah. How interesting that like when you can start to appreciate that goodness in yourself and that lovability in yourself, it becomes, I, I, I seem that you start to have an eye for it. Uh-huh. Too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You look yeah. for, you, not only do you look for, they just kind of like cross your path. You're like, yes, let me help you. Let me serve you. Let me love you. Yeah. Yeah. Great. What's a piece of wisdom that's, uh, that's important to you right now in this current context? When Something someone shows you who they are, believe them. Oh, Maya Angelou. <laughs> yes. yes. Wow. And then a lot of times people forget to add in, especially the first time. So when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that people can't change. That is possible. But I think that takes a tremendous amount of commitment on their part and interest and awareness and you I, I don't know that you see that often enough for people who recognize oh my gosh I have this major flaw and I really need to change it it happens it happens but but really when people show you who they are believe them mm -hmm. believe them what do you think keeps us from believing people sometimes I think it's self-serving Oh, okay. Like, oh, well, 
if I just do this, it'll get better. There's right. so many things that we say, and, and I'm thinking more in my younger years. Yeah. But, but now it's just clear that, hmm, oh, okay, well, that's that's how you think or feel, and that's not healthy for me, so I wish you well, and I will be on my way. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> don't really have that literal conversation, but I could, mm-hmm. and, and I would not. I, I have had to let people go and let them know, hey, I'm, this isn't, this isn't, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, but, you know, basically I have to let this go. Yeah. There's something really freeing mm-hmm. in this, in this wisdom as well, that there's almost an acceptance of people where they are. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend you're something or you are somewhere in your life or your development that you're not, that right. I'm going to like, I'm going to accept where you are right now. And then also accept the boundaries that we may need to have in our relationship or not have a relationship with that acceptance. And that is healthy. <laughs> Somehow we have gotten the idea in certain segments of, uh, Christianity that we're supposed to just be doormats and take it all and accept it all. And, and that's just not true. That's just not true. That that's a myth. That's not true. Mm -hmm. Well, we actually see throughout history that um, with a certain Christ consciousness that that did not lead to uh, passivity. That led to standing for what was right and yes, good. And yes, true. exactly. I have a feeling this is where we connect into the topic that we're going to spend some time with today. And I think that this is a beautiful lead into this concept that you're wanting to discuss today of the cost of being right. Yes, I've been thinking about this a lot, and not just within the political climate, although certainly that sort of really heightened my interest in this. But when I, you know, sort of stand back and observe different people, either in real life, like in real time, or people I don't know, like out there in the media or whatever, and this idea that people really think they are right, that they have the corner on rightness. I didn't get that. Could you try again? Oh, Siri is talking to me. Sorry, Siri. No, no. Night, night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it starts when you're young. Oh, Siri, goodness gracious. Okay, I'm putting him away. Um, When you're young, you hear and learn that certain things are right, kind of quote, right, I'm not talking about morals, although they they could fall within this topic. I'm talking more about opinion being passed on as right. And I really, as I, you know, prepared for this and being the word nerd that I am, I thought, okay, well, wait a minute. The def- I had to, I wanted to look up of a few things. So definition of right is true or correct as a fact. A fact. Okay, that, being right and fact 
I think often don't even go together when people talk about views or what have you. And the, but the definition of opinion is a view formed about something, not necessarily based on fact. So I think a lot of times people pass off their opinion as fact, which makes them right in their eyes. And, and I think we confuse and mix these up. And uh, yeah, things that are actually opinion are passed off as fact. And I've noticed this to be true in kind of what I would think of as more benign ways like decorating, design, fashion, entertainment. But more currently in what I would think, I don't want to say those aren't serious topics, but more volatile areas like religion, sexuality, race, and politics. And for me, this is where it gets even murkier because the definition of belief, I'm going to throw in a third word here, after right opinion and now belief, is something that one accepts as true or real, a firmly held opinion or conviction. Once you have a belief or become convicted about an opinion, it's not a big jump to consider this fact or that you are right. And this is where we find ourselves right now. We are closed off. We have stopped listening because people have insisted they are right. And what they believe is no longer an opinion, but a fact. I think the cost for this is too high. Relation relationships are severed. People are hurt, even injured, as we saw recently. And that just got me thinking, I mean, just within my family and maybe within your family and just within, you know, you're like your family, your little family, you think how, you know, we have such opposing views on this, that or the other thing, but, but shouldn't they just be considered that opinion and views and not that someone is right and someone is wrong and you know, it, and then it depends on where you get your facts, your facts in quote, you know, where are you getting them? So uh, I, I kind of, I, there's so much anger out there right now. Mm-hmm. And in psychology, we learn that anger comes from fear. And so all these people that are angry, and, and believe me, I know there's a, there is a place for anger, and I would consider that righteous anger versus not righteous anger. Well, where does that come from? Is that, uh, what is the fear underneath that anger? Is, I, and I wonder, is it like loss of control, betrayal? Fear of what? That's that's my latest thing that I've been working on. That in my brain, like just like, oh, there's so much anger, which if it leads to fear, what's the fear? I think a lot of it has to be loss of control. I I just I I mean I'm I'm open to other other thoughts on that. Any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, there's a couple layers that are coming up for me. And I think it's really a great place to start that with anger, we see it as being a secondary emotion that we're usually seeing underneath that like hurt or fear and fear being quite primary. I think there is potentially, you know, of course people are, there, there's fearfulness of control. I think that a phenomenon right now that we've seen is how we've sorted ourselves geographically into these little uh, homogenous communities. Mm -hmm. And I think with that sorting, it's very easy to other someone that I am this and you are other. And therefore I don't, whatever you are, I am afraid of, or I don't like, or that's not like me. So it's not okay. Mm, interesting. And there is something in, I think it's important to quote directly because it's original work, but in Brené Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, she talked about this, this concept of sorting. She also talks about in that book. She, she says something that has always struck with me that people, I believe it was this particular book may not have been, but people are hard to hate close up. Mm. I think with this sorting, we've been able to silo ourselves into these opinions, which are now, you know, passing as facts and or can, can feel comfortable as that because our communities hold them as well. I think that has part of that's partially what it has to do with is that we, um, you know, I, there's I think especially living in California, I've had this experience of like of some of it being sobering that the, this is not the political climate, you know, depending on where you live across the nation, wherever you are, what we can feel like, what, what may feel like the truest political climate may not be what is shared, you know, throughout that and political beliefs. I think we're both being careful right now, which I think is important <laughs> to yes. be sensitive to where people are. I think that like, let's ground ourselves into this cost of being right. And something that you just said about the relational impact of this Something my mom said to me when I was going through, I'm sure I was very difficult to, to be in relationship with at that time. But she said to me, it is imp more important for me to be in relationship with you than to be right. Oh, gosh. That, that really, and, and that's been said, you know, in, in a in myriad of ways, but that really stuck with me when it comes to relationships. Is the relationship more important to me than my opinion? You know, is which is what I think you're coming to here is that there's a cost to holding our opinions as facts and that being the only way forward. Right. And I think one of the primary costs we're seeing is the disconnect that we have relationally and that it's not just someone who is in a different state or different city than you. We see it in our own families that having a different perspective, holding a different opinion is insufferable, <laughs> like is not tolerable. Well, and how, and how sad that is! What a uh, uh, just a horrible commentary that is! And I think you really hit on something. There's a tremendous fear of the other, and I don't want to be in a homogeneous, you know, uh, little silo of people just like me. That's that's not. I'm not interested in that. But I am interested in respect for my opinion and views, as I will respect your opinion and views. I may not agree with you at all, but why isn't that okay? I mean, we're seeing families who aren't, honestly, I've heard of families that aren't talking to each other 
because this thing has gotten so completely wild and out of hand. What is a way forward? I think that regardless of where someone stands politically or where they are geographically in this country right now, I think many are looking for a way forward. What in your life are you using or what are you doing to find that way forward? I am trying to model what I want to see. So that's what I, what's that? I said, let's get specific. What does that look like? That looks like, hmm, that looks like listening, being Mm -hmm. open, trying to understand the other's point of view and showing interest Mm. and but knowing it's okay to say well I don't see it that way Mm -hmm. and that has to be okay with them but here's what I've discovered personally very few people actually want to engage in a conversation where I speak and share and you listen and then you speak and share and I listen. There's way too much. This is what I'm going to say next. I'm going to say this and I'm going to cite this source. And haven't you seen that video on YouTube and, you know, whatever else it is. The whole call to unity, if it starts with each individual, I I think being tolerant is kind of a weird word. I don't know that I even like it anymore just because of. eh, I don't know. I think it's been abused and misused and so. I think accepting is a good word. You know, I can accept that someone has a differing view than I do and listen and try to understand. I just don't find a lot of people right now that are interested in trying to understand. People are very entrenched in whatever their view is. They've dug their heels in. And it's beyond... It, to me, pride has really gotten a hold, really grabbed a hold of a, a lot of people in this because of that I am right mentality. Mm-hmm. I, and I feel there's like the actual truth aspect. I, truth. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't help but think of the line in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, one of the greatest musicals of all time. Pontius Pilate has a line when he's trying not to condemn Christ to death. And he says, and what is truth? Is truth unchanging law? We both have truths. Are mine the same as yours? I don't think, and this will be opinion on my part, there is one truth, one objective truth. I would call that God's truth. 
because to me, he's the only one who can be fully objective. I would say the rest of us have perceptions of the truth that is controlled by so many things, you know, our background, our leanings, our own values and opinions. There, there can't be a million truths out there. That's just not. And if we're saying that, that again, I think we're using maybe, I don't want to say the right word because, hey, you can use whatever word you want. But I think it's an exp- I think it's a deeply held conviction mm-hmm. versus the truth. I think it's complicated, obviously, very complex. But I think it's in our power to simplify it by being open, like we were talking about, listening, trying to understand, even if we don't agree. Yeah, I, it's funny because my uh, blog for your episode, which came out. Last week, well, it came out this week, but we're working on an episode that will come out next week. It's called Yes and No. And then it concludes with some things that we learned in kindergarten that really, why why don't we still do those? The week before that, I did a blog on hope, which I referenced earlier in our conversation, which it's not a wishy-washy Oh, I wish you a happy birthday. It's not a wish. It's so much more than that. And I just feel like a lot of, and I'll include myself in this too, because I don't, I don't think I'm right. I, I think there's a lot of soul searching that needs to, to be done. And a lot of purifying comes to mind and a lot of willingness to be unified. What's giving you hope right now? I think whatever side, and even as I say it, side, it's so polarized, wherever you are in all of this, it, it can look really dark, you know? Vaccines are going out at a snail's pace. We're in incredible political upheaval. What's giving you hope? I'm not sure I know exactly how to answer that. Just that I think we talked about this a little bit in last week's episode. I have hope. I don't know if it's natural or if it's faith-based, but I just have it. And I, I won't ever get rid of it. I, I, not that it's something you could get rid of, but I, I think, I think probably faith, my faith, my, uh, all of the things I've gone through, even the most painful things of life, I have held on to hope and I've never been disappointed. Mm. And that, that does not mean that things turned out all rosy and the way I wanted them to turn out. In fact, quite the opposite often. But that hope I have in my faith sustains me through whatever comes my way. So I will wake up each day and be filled with hope and express that 
in how I live my day-to-day life, which is in conversation, mm-hmm. which is in writing, in you know, this website and podcast, which is in all the relationships I have to the best of my ability. S- speaking life into people and having people speak life into me, I think is one of life's greatest privileges. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just going to do that. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to give up. And I'm not going to uh, adopt a pessimistic outlook. Can't do it. It reminds me of in Victor Frankl's work, which circulated a lot last year, a psychiatrist who was in the uh, concentration camps and survived the concentration camps in World War II. And he talks about their their stories of how he would go whispering in the other, uh, in the other individual's ears, whispering hope in their ears, because Mm -hmm. if they still had breath, if they were still alive that day, Mm -hmm. there was something to hope for. And by no means do I (sighs) think the pandemic is paralleled to World War II and the incredible loss and horrific commitments. We've seen a lot of loss as well. It's different, though. I think it still stands, though, that, um, as Frankel says, that between stimulus and response, there is a choice. And there is a choice, you know, that of, of how we will be with whatever that is. And I think what I hear you saying is, yeah, the current circumstances are this way. And I will still continue to choose hope. Yes, that is exactly what you hear me saying. And I feel absolutely verklempt over that story that you just told about him whispering hope. Yeah. I, I just... I want to go in the corner and weep in happiness and uh, that in those circumstances, he could, he could still have that hope and want to share it with others. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's worth noting for us right now as a lesson that humans have, survived and witnessed and been a part of absolute horrific atrocities. And we've still seen this beauty come out of that. And that, that will still happen now that is happening now. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Lisey, thank you so much. What a joy. And an honor and a blessing it was to have you interview me. I think it's every it's fun every once in a while to sort of change the the seats, so to speak, because uh, you know I enjoy sharing what's on my heart, and you were an excellent host. Thank you. It was a real joy. Thank you for taking the time because I know you are very busy, and it it blesses me to think that. Um, you you would take this kind of time out to have a very heartfelt and serious conversation with me and, and one that will last for the ages. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you, Lisi. We took a deep dive 
into the cost of being right. And as much as we talked about opinions and beliefs, I love the episode ended with the beautiful story of Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl. I googled and read about him. What a man. After surviving, he became a therapist and wrote books. I will be using his quotes, for they speak of a hope most of us cannot imagine. He said, whoever was still alive had reason for hope. What can we each be hopeful about? How can you spread that hope to those around you? Look for it. Be it. That is your action item for this week. Spread hope. The Anabashed You website has photos, quotes, and a blog for each episode. Each episode's audio is embedded on its own page at unabashedyou.com. Social media, we have direct links on the episode notes. They can be found on the website, and most notably, you'll find us under Unabashed You at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We invite you to follow us on any and all of the above. There are frequent posts with great photos and inspirational quotes. If you have questions or comments, email us at unabashedyou at gmail.com. We're on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music. So continue to listen, read, and be inspired. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate those. They help us be more discoverable. And now our blessing. It's going to be a compilation of Viktor Frankl quotes. We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. But there was no need to be ashamed of tears, for tears bore witness that a man had the greatest of courage, the courage to suffer. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go on out there. Be unabashed. Be you.